The Pro Act know-how. What are the non-DOM benefits for UK expats? What I'm looking at here in particular is, is not, uh, that ding-dong tells me I've started it on time. What we're looking at here is not the benefits um, to UK expats living and working abroad. We're looking at what is the benefits for expats living and working in the UK. So that's the specific narrow topic that we're looking at today. We've got this series that we've done since the 4th of July, which was Tax Independence Day. Anyone who lives in a calendar year from the, from the January, 4th of July, they, they become tax resident or non-resident as the case may be. What we're looking at here in this series is all the different residency, non-residency and domicile issues. I hope my um, internet doesn't give out. Um, but we're, so that's what we're looking to cover. Um, so c consider some of the other uh, webinars and videos that we've got. If you want a bit more information, you can deep dive into our retained client archive to look at information there. So what are the benefits of being an expat, living and working in the UK, but being non-domiciled to the UK? talked before that there's a difference between residence, tax residence and domicile and, and what is that? You can have a home in a country, you could have a holiday home in Portugal, in Spain, in Cyprus, in France um, and you can be resident there for some of the time uh, of the year but you become tax resident only when you've lived in that country for more than one, eight, three days. That's the point of the 4th of July. Uh, for a calendar tax year. Uh, you can have a home in Romania, uh, in Cyprus, in Australia, um, but, but, but not necessarily be resident there. A tax resident is when you've lived and worked in that country for more than six months uh, during the calendar year. Now, different countries have different tax years. However, there's still ways around it. So, you know, if you're in a, a calendar tax year uh, country, then 4th of July, you, you technically become tax resident for that, that period. Um, if you're a nomad, you might say, well, I'm going to stay here for 90 days and move on. I'm going to stay uh, in Indonesia on a 180 day visa, and then I've got to move on. And I'm not tax, tax resident there, which is a fair point. And in the EU, you have the Schengen Zone, where members of the Schengen Zone, um, a, a resident can only stay for 90 days at a time. So um, 90 days in six months is all that you can stay in a country uh, in the Schengen Zone, even if for EU citizens, unless you become a tax resident in that country. So the, the, the different restrictions for different countries on the visas and the permits and the access that you get. Um, uh, but if you're an expat and you, you're tax resident, that is a temporary status and, and it can vary for a period of time. After, under international law, after five years, you can become a permanent resident. And, and that's, again, it's a generic thing that's available in different jurisdictions under slightly different rules. Each country can set its own rules and requirements, but generally after five years, you become a permanent resident. And that all ties in with the, the general 
international tax laws, which look at a seven-year period uh, of, of migration. So the, the expat status, in terms of focusing on tax residency, is essentially a temporary short-term period, somewhere between naught and seven years um, as an expat. Uh, you can have a home in more than one country, um, and but where is your permanent home? Where is your permanent uh, economic interest and where are you habitually staying? So you could be living and working in Dubai uh, as your place of work, place where you live and the place where your family is, that would be deemed to be your permanent home for tax residence points of view. Okay, So that's the temporary tax residence status. You've got any uh, fixed income in, another, in, in your home country. So if you've got a, a villa in Spain that you're renting out, that income on that rental income should be paid in, in Spain. If you've got a property in the UK that you're renting out, uh, that, that rental income is taxable in the UK. If you've got a property that you own in Cyprus and you sell it, that capital gains tax is payable in Cyprus. Um, uh, however, you could, as an expat, have a dual residency and tax in those different ju jurisdictions, depending upon what type of income and what the rules are regarding movable or those examples of movable and immovable or capital gains taxes. For example, um, a capital investment or cryptocurrency realised in one country then can taxable it in that country, uh, potentially as well as the, the rules in, in the, the country in which you're, you're tax resident. So lots to think about for expats in terms of tax residency on a temporary basis, not to seven years. So let's consider domicile. Uh, the domicile is, is your default tax residency. So if you don't have a formal tax residency as an expat, if you don't qualify as an expat tax resident in Portugal or Spain or Indonesia or Philippines or Australia or Cyprus, then your domicile is your default tax residence. Um, and that may or may not catch up with you. Um, but my suggestion is that in ProAct, we always believe in following the rules to minimise your tax liability going forward. And this is where it becomes complicated, because when you look at the wordings and the language that's used, um, it, it becomes quite complicated. So. Um, your tax residence uh, as or non-residence can be de determined defined by where your permanent home is and your economic interests um, but your your domicile is also defined as where your permanent home is but it doesn't mean the same thing domicile is where you're from so let's have a look at what domicile is what is domicile domicile is where you're from. So uh, generally, it, 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 under international law, it, it's the nationality of your father. If you're not married, it could be the nationality of your mother, as well as the country in which you're born. 
So um, your, your parents could come from India and you'd be born in uh, the UK, um, then you could still have a domicile of, of India. However, domicile can change. It can change for adults, uh, but not necessarily for children. And it can change over time. And sometimes that's a matter of choice for tax reasons. Sometimes it's a matter of not choice. It's not a choice matter. It, it is something that's decided by the rules. So for UK expats that leave the UK or for an expat that becomes UK domicile from the time they're spent here, the big tax that they acquire is 40% inheritance tax. Now, you don't pay that till you die, but you do pay six months, uh, within six months of dying. See our other webinars on this topic. That 40% tax liability is on all your worldwide assets at the date of your death. So you pay all your income taxes, all your capital gains, and after you've paid that, you've got the other 40% inheritance tax on death. So that's what domicile does for you. Different countries have different perspectives. So Cyprus has no inheritance tax. So if you're domiciled in Cyprus, you've got no inheritance tax to pay, which can be a good thing. Other countries have forced airship rules, which could be a negative. Um, some countries have forced airship and uh, an inheritance tax, which is a triple negative. So there's lots of things to consider as an expat once you start moving abroad. And once you start going beyond that temporary period of non-residence over five to seven years. Now, it actually takes a long time to um, change your domicile. And when we look at the, the non-DOM benefits for expats living in the UK, we can see how these um, uh, timescales fit into the general pattern for expats uh, around the world. Um, so a UK expat um, working abroad for 20 or 30 years can get the same outcomes in terms of migrating and choosing a, a, a domicile away from the UK as expats moving into the UK could consider. So if you're following us so far we've clarified the confusions that can arise in the nomen in, in name in terms and definition but what we're looking at here is specifically domicile this is where your parents are from um, and where you're born and, and that is your permanent home. So let's look a bit more now. What If you're non-domiciled to the UK, what are the tax benefits of coming to live and work in the UK? As a non-dom uh, living and working in the UK, um, you can pay tax on a remittance basis. Now there's advantages and disadvantages for that. But if you're an expat living and working in the UK and you're not domiciled to the UK, all your uh, if and your earnings are paid not into the UK. So if you're paying uh, into a bank account in uh, Portugal or France or Dubai, um, then it's not remitted into a UK 
domain, a UK bank, uh, the UK system. So you can earn up to 2,000 a year and it's not reportable and it's not taxable in the UK. So expats are non-domicile to the UK with 2,000 pounds of worldwide earnings. It's not reportable and it's not taxable in the UK as long as it's not remitted. If an expat that's non-dom lives in the UK, got worldwide earnings more than 2,000, it is reportable. So they have to do a tax return in the UK. Let's say you've earned 50,000 from your worldwide income, whether that's investment income, uh, crypto uh, capital gains or, or, or other earnings, you have to report it on, on your tax return. Uh, but there's no tax to pay as long as that, that income is not remitted into the UK. So if you bring the money, your overseas earnings as a non-dom into a UK bank account, it's reportable and taxable in the UK. But if you're non-dom to the UK, uh, working remotely in the UK as an expat, but remitting income abroad, that, that is not taxable income. Okay? It has to be reported. The gains have to be reported, but they're not necessarily taxable. And that situation can continue for a while. Now, non-DOMs can get hit with a, a, a large tax. There's a, a remit, a, an annual charge uh, that expats, uh, non-DOM expats can pay for, for um, being taxable on a non-remittance basis, on a remittance basis. Um, so let's consider that next. The annual charge for uh, non-DOMs starts at £30,000. Uh, not all non-DOM expats working in the UK have to pay that. Uh, you have to be a tax resident for seven of the previous nine years for you to be, be liable to pay that uh, uh, annual charge of £30,000. That, that, that is up to, you, up to you, but new expats that are just non-resident, uh, tax residents in the UK on a short-term basis, earning from abroad on a non-remitted basis, do not have a, a tax return, although they have to make have a tax return, but our tax liability in the UK. Once you've had more than seven tax years within a nine-year period in the UK, even if you're non-domicile, uh, non-domicile you've then got remittance annual charge to pay of £30,000. Uh, and that follows around with you each year. So obviously, the encouragement then is by uh, seven years, the incentive is, unless you're a very big earner, um, uh, an expat, even a non-domicile, would mark themselves as and want to pay tax in the UK on their earnings. Remember, we're talking about Earnings aren't remitted in the UK. It's obviously it's not a, a job that can be carried out in the in the UK employment and paying national insurance necessarily either. But the the the, the, the uh, an expat, a non-dom expat, not remitting income could could pay no tax for up to seven years. After that, the remittance charge of thirty thousand would apply. 
the next big benchmark I want to highlight is 15 years. If you've been a tax resident in the UK for 15 years uh, or more, and you're, you're currently tax resident, uh, in that year of self-assessment, the UK will consider you to be uh, domicile. Um, so you, you lose the right to the remittance basis uh, to save tax. Um, so a long-term expat uh, who's been in the UK as a tax resident for 15 years or more um, is going to be liable uh, to tax as if they were domiciled in the UK. So their domicile, without them choosing, uh, becomes deemed to be uh, UK by HMRC. And this is common to other countries around the world. So with Cyprus, uh, a non-DOM expat pays no tax on dividends or interest um, uh, for up to, um, uh, up to 17 out of 20 years. Uh, but after that time, they become domicile, and therefore they're then liable to the local rates of tax on that worldwide income. So, uh, like 20 years of living in a permanent uh, a country um, of your choice, with your permanent home, your family, and your economic interests. So, if you're living and working abroad in Dubai, in Portugal, in Cyprus, in France, for 20 years you then migrate and either be deemed domicile in that country or have a domicile of a choice in that country. So if a UK expat living working abroad, that saves some inheritance tax, but it can also lose them some of the other benefits. Uh, the expat in the UK loses the benefit of only being taxed on a remittance basis after 15 years of being a tax resident in the UK. Rishi Shunak, and his wife um, were, according to reports in the media, um, paying tax on a remittance basis from their worldwide earnings uh, because they hadn't been tax resident in the UK and, and were able to consider themselves, especially the wife, Mrs. Shunak, who was born in India of Indian parents, and that's where her business and her economic interest is, was able to claim remittance basis and it's only the money that's brought into the UK that was taxed even if she was paying uh, after seven years the annual charge of 30,000 um, until she'd been taxed for 15 years uh, when she would be deemed to be domiciled and pay tax on a worldwide income which she's done uh, voluntarily now. So domicile does change um, an expat long term living and working abroad, their domicile will change. So over a 15, 20-year period, your domicile will definitely change. If you want to change it sooner for inheritance tax purposes or capital gains tax purposes, then that's about planning. It's about using family trusts and family companies to manage your, your family and business income uh, in different jurisdictions and different tax residences to reduce your income and capital gains tax over that period of time. In the longer term, uh, domicile becomes a factor. And again, trust can protect uh, your family and business income and capital uh, for uh, living and working abroad. Uh, if you want more help and guidance, contact us at projectpartnership.com.
Chisimi, yeah, website there. Uh, and we can help and guide you with living and working abroad, uh, across border and down generations, to protect their family, capital and business, in property, um, uh, to make sure that your family are the ones that benefit uh, and not the taxman. We follow the rules uh, and, and, and make sure that we do things right so that your family is protected and you can hand that money down with confidence down the generations. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube series um, down below. Uh, share it with friends. Um, uh, you know, find a friend, add them as a subscription. Um, we want to get to um, a thousand subscribers by the end of this year, please. Your help is appreciated uh, in watching this. Um, we, um, we've got the series which we've run since the 4th of July on tax residency and independence and uh, the, the implication of domicile and tax residence. So look at that in a bit more details. If you've got any questions and help and guidance on how to organise your family, your business, your property assets, contact us at projectpartnership.com. Uh, we've got a retained client service, which just offers uh, online advice and guidance or consultations. We have a free review to all new inquiries uh, to help and guide you. So subscribe below, uh, follow our, our YouTube, consider uh, enrolling and subscribing as a retained client. And I keep in touch and let us know how we can help you um, maximise the benefits of your non-sponsor status as an expat living and working abroad. The ProAct Know-How, brought to you by ProAct.